do 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 Welcome to the Where Your Feet Take You podcast. I am Erin Olson. I am an age group <laughs> age group triathlete, uh, triathlon coach, and a cool cat. I am here with Kayla Bowker. Um, she's a professional triathlete, mom of two beautiful boys, and a also a triathlon coach. So we come to you about once a week. We missed last week. That was my fault. Um, I had awful cramps and could not get out of bed. But we try to come to you every week um, with content about triathlon. And sometimes we just talk about life. Um, But we're here to answer any questions you have about the sport, um, as this is our passion. And I think if we could spend all day, every day talking about triathlon, we would. So we're happy to be here with you. Um, Yeah, Kayla, how are you doing? Want to help support the podcast? Now you can by joining the Where If You Take You community via Patreon. In the community, you'll get early access to guest episodes and three to four mini episodes throughout the month, along with more. It is an ever-evolving community in which we hope to bring more triathlon news, more triathlon support, and just community in general We while we continue to share our passion and love for the sport that we all participate in. Your support goes a long ways to help supporting the podcast and for us to be able to bring you more content and continue to share our passion and love for the support. You can head over to thewherefeettakeyou.com and find the link on that website, or you can check the show notes. Again, your support goes a long ways to helping support the podcast. I know I've said support a lot here, but that's the way that it goes. And I want to thank you ahead of time for being a loyal listener and loyal subscriber to the podcast. Okay, back to the show. Good. That was like the best intro. I can't ever compete with your intros. Um. (laughs) That one was a little wild. I got lost in thought a little bit, but it's okay. (laughs) It's early in the morning here. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, doing good. I um was got really sick yesterday again. Um, woke up randomly with really bad stomach stuff going on. I will not go into detail about it, but it was just not fun. Um, and so that kind of put a damper. I was supposed to ride five hours yesterday, and I barely left my bed. I went to the grocery store, and then. And I walked to go pick up Baylor from school, and that was the extent of my activity. Um, so that was made for kind of a big bummer. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I was just like finally getting like I had a good week and a half or so of training after being sick previously, and then the kids getting sick, and like just two weeks of kind of mess, and then I get sick again. And oh, it's just really frustrating. Like, I feel like I get. I can't seem to stay healthy during an Ironman build, and it's very, very frustrating. Um, Are you feeling so, better today? I am feeling better today. Um, I'm a little tired. Um, were you able I'm to keep a- food down yesterday? Like, yeah, yes. Oh, so not at first. Um, so I woke up in the morning, and um, like I said, I had horrible, bad stomach stuff going on, and like I ended up with. I've never had cold sweats like that in my life, like dripping down my arms, just soaked in sweat. I thought I was going to pass out a couple of times. That 
Yeah, that kind of ruined how I felt as well. Like, I'm I'm somebody who has passed out more than once. Um, I have had that. Uh, it's very common for me, um, actually. And whenever it happens, it just ruins my whole day. Like my whole, I, I feel really awful. And it happened mm-hmm. twice in a span of like 35 minutes where I had. Oh, jeez. Um, and so I felt just pretty rough yesterday. Does that just happen so, when you're sick? It's never happened before when I've been sick. Um, it usually is around um, <clears throat> what happened back in college when I had my eating disorder. It happened a couple of times. But then it usually happens around like I got dry needling done at uh, Streamline mm-hmm. and I almost passed out. Um, whenever, after I got my hip surgery, um, I like two weeks later when we removed the stitches, I almost passed out. And like things like that usually are Got it. it. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what this was, but yeah. So I kind of ruined my day. So I'm having a hard time keeping food down at the moment. Well, not hard time keeping it down. That's wrong. I'm keeping it down fine. It's just kind of doesn't, you know, when you have, weren't, weren't feeling good and yeah. it just is kind of blech. It yeah. doesn't, doesn't taste good. Um, so I'm currently drinking Gatorade in hopes to try to get some calories into my system. And I have my breakfast. I haven't eaten any of it. I don't know. So, uh, yeah, that made for <laughs> fun. Um, so yeah, hopefully I kind of rebound and kind of get through the week a little bit better. Um, yeah. And can kind of make up. I really want to get this five-hour ride in because I'm racing in two weeks, right? And so hit or miss whether we want to do something like that high of volume next week, um, maybe early in the week because I'm still giving me plenty of time. And then I've got race week, so I won't do anything. And then, you know, we've kind of got, we'll, you know, we'll go right back into it. But then, right, we're starting to starting to time yeah. crunch a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I really wanted to get it in this week. So we'll see if we can make it work. Well, but. the good news is, is you've, Really, I feel like increased your volume this season. So I feel like you're in a really good spot, even if it doesn't happen. Correct. And from that stance, like it definitely is. I definitely have noticed that I am really good, like in both running and swimming. Sorry, running. No, hold on. Rewind. Biking and running. So in biking, I'm really good through three hours. Like I can hold power, I'm really strong. But then after three hours, it starts to get really, really long. And it's like mm-hmm. power drops. And it's, oh, I just can't quite keep up on it. And so I don't want that to happen in a race. And so I want to try to kind of get my resilience back from that standpoint. Same with running. I'm really good through about 90 to hour 40. And then same thing happens. So I don't know. Just have to work through some of those pieces a little bit and hopefully it comes back we'll figure it out but yeah so that's been the week um probably the highlight of the week was that Skyler got to go to he started golf lessons with the golf pro one of the golf pros here and he absolutely was just like in heaven and loved it and that was yesterday and he was just so excited he got to play like actual um actual holes and kind of all these things and so yeah i had a lot of fun so that was kind of so far been the highlight of the week no that's awesome i'm excited for him yeah 
So how's your week been? Um, this week's been okay. Last week, I just felt like it was one thing after another. Comedy from Mondays through Sunday. Yeah, it literally was a comedy of errors, and I like. I don't even remember all of them at this point, but I I know Saturday I got up to do my long ride, drove to where I wanted to do it. My derailleur was dead. After I was pretty confident that I checked it on Friday, I must check my power meter battery instead. So I was like, great, went home, went back to bed for a little bit, and then did a different workout, kind of. My legs, I was not feeling like myself, um, and I know I have a big week of training, so what? I ended up just flushing out in the pool. Um, so then I got up Sunday to do my long ride. That actually went pretty well. We decided before I started the ride that we were going to keep my power like really at the low end of zone two, um, even upper zone one, just because my legs had been feeling really fatigued. But it felt good. I was, I feel like for my five hour rides, whenever I feel entertained the whole time, it's good. Um, yeah. And I was feeling happy out there i picked a different route than usual which is fun um but about 87 miles in i hit a pretty big rock um but thought it was fine took a right hand turn and almost slid out and uh turns out i punctured the sidewall of my tire so that'll do it Yeah, so just got my wheels back from the shop with getting a new tire put on them, um, which, yay, that was money. <laughs> no, it's so expensive to put new. I have to go do that on my yeah. race wheels, and I don't want to because tires are so expensive. <laughs> They're so expensive. No, like so, I, like I did that. I was just yeah. really happy. Because Kyle was in, like, Prescott, so he wasn't going to be able to come get me. Um, So I had to, like, rely on friends. So I'm really thankful that I wasn't in, like, New River, which is an area I biked, which is can be, like, an hour and a half from Phoenix to get to. Um, So really glad I wasn't out there when I got the flat and I was just in North Scottsdale. So. Yes. So you're able to get home. Yeah, back to my yeah. car. So I was only like 10 minutes from my car, which is good. Oh, um, nice. But my wheel was completely flat and the road, it was the road like a lot of cars used and people used to get to waste management. Um, so I really think it increased like the rock and debris on the road. Mm-hmm. So I really didn't want to ride it on a completely flat, no air tire. So that is why I called yeah. for help. Perfect. I've definitely done that in pretty sketchy areas ridden yeah i think the longest took me an hour and like 15 minutes one time i went 15 miles on a completely flat rim oh jeez um because i i didn't have any help i had to get to my car (laughs) i was like yeah well you just ride really slow and pray you don't ruin your wheel yeah because that's expensive yes i think that was my thought i was like i don't have a thousand dollars right now for a new wheel well I do because I'm buying a full disc wheel in March, but like mm. that that money is going towards the that full disc. That money is going to that. Yes. <laughs> I am getting a full disc. 
that is that's going to be yeah that's going to be perfect for you for Texas because it, it it's just it is faster and Texas is the perfect type of race to have a full disc wheel yeah. set up on um, especially if there's a little bit of wind because then the wind kind of acts as like a, it acts as like a sail in the right direction and it can help push you um, yeah so I'm yeah. excited about that but definitely yeah. don't want to have to buy a new front wheel too. <laughs> No, yeah, but you had a good ride. I took a look at it, and like you, act, you held really good power, and really, it was really steady, and it was exact kind of exactly what we wanted from getting some mileage in. And yeah, it was, I it was faster than I thought, which was part of the issue is because I planned on an easier effort. I only planned on going eighty-seven miles in five hours, so like I had to readjust the route. So when I hit the rock, I was trying to figure out where I was going to ride to kill the next mm, to kill like, thirteen time. miles because I was going to get about like ninety-nine miles in in five hours, and I was like, if I'm going ninety-nine, I'm getting the one extra mile. But anyway, so right. I was trying to <laughs> figure out where I was going to ride, so I wasn't like fully paying attention to the road, and then I hit the rock. But yeah. Um, yeah, it felt good. I mean, I could tell that my body needed an easier effort because I usually do my longer rides mid to upper zone two, I guess, um, just depending on w- what I'm feeling like that day. But I knew like any time I went above, I don't know, 160 for an extended period of time, my legs were like, we don't like this right now. Like they're just like yeah. achy and it's like I could do it. And I knew that whole ride. I was like, and I think that's why going at low zone two sometimes, and even like zone two in general can be really hard because you know, you're like, I could do zone three. Like I want to prove mm-hmm. to myself I can do like this wattage and feel fine because you probably will feel fine. But like, that's not always the best thing to do. So I kept saying to myself, like, just keep it low. And then there were areas of the core or like my route where I was going uphill and I had to be upper zone two, but um I think learning how to control that and just like be where you need to be for that day. That almost takes more focus and more like discipline than like just going out and riding zone three all the time or upper zone two. hundred percent. It a hundred percent does. It takes a lot more focus and it takes a lot more being present within what you're doing and understanding why you're doing it. And knowing also, right, that it's one of those where, like, not looking at the average is going to be really important kind of type of thing because it's like it really doesn't matter. Like, that was a perfect ride. And so what? You only went 87 miles or whatever, and you like 19 miles an hour. That doesn't necessarily matter because you hit exactly what was needed for that type of ride. Um, yeah. But that's also good. Like you said, you know, right? You mentioned that, like, when you went up some of these longer sustained hills, you're naturally we're at a higher effort. And so that can be a good way to kind of infuse a little bit of effort into your ride and still keep it a uh, a lower stress ride by, you know, adding some like naturally, you know, fall flats and stuff like that, where you're just going to have a little bit higher power, but you can keep the effort lower. So it's kind of like a good way to kind of use the terrain to create some variability within a you know, a low endurance type of ride. Um, so, yeah, but no, it was good. I like it. So you I got, got it done eventually. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think of. I texted you yeah. like seven thirty at night and you were just maybe getting home or something like that. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> Which, like, I am a late starter. I did not start until I think twelve fifteen. But <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I don't like waking up in the morning. I really don't. Fair. I can totally <laughs> respect that. Honestly, if I didn't have to be home or want to be right, if I didn't have the kids and I didn't have didn't have to either be home or want to be like, I, in reality, I could not come home till seven if I didn't want to. But that's just not how I want a mom, right? That's not. I want yeah, to be home definitely. in the afternoons and and have the evenings with the kids. I wouldn't start till like the earliest I'd ever start would be like ten, probably. <laughs> yeah, 10. like I know Kyle was gone. Like when Kyle's home, I try and get done so we have like the day to spend together but i knew he was gonna be gone and anytime i know that it's like i'm sleeping right i'm, I'm sleeping. laying in bed i love laying in bed it Me is too. really one of my favorite hobbies it is a good one um awesome well so we're gonna go over some questions today and but first i have aaron put up a thing on Instagram, a, a little video or a reel or whatever you want to call them on Instagram the other day about some swim um, stuff that, you know, kind of swim tips slash um, thing, uh, pitfalls probably is a better word, pitfalls that she often sees with swimming. So I'm going to have her go over a little bit about um, these couple of pitfalls that she often sees, why they create quote unquote problems and then um a little bit into like kind of how you fix them and stuff like that um so she's going to explain some of this for you guys because i thought it was a really good video so take it away erin swim tips with erin here we go Woo! okay um i guess i'll just go in order of the video so the first like common mistake i see for triathletes or people learning how to swim or who are like self-taught swimmers is they don't engage their lats while they're swimming. Um, and this is something that, so when I see this, it's in, when you look at yourself, this is the most common mistake when you're watching yourself swim and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong, but I don't look like how a swimmer looks. Um, and things can like look normal, but it's not, what you'll notice is you're not getting a vertical, an early vertical forearm, uh, which means when your arm is starting the pull phase of your stroke, your elbow's not getting up and your fingertips aren't getting down. Um, so what you're doing is you're pushing the water up kind of, and then not getting a good catch with propulsion forward until later in the stroke. Um the issue with this, one, the lats are a bigger muscle than, like, any of your arm muscles, which means, one, they're going to fatigue less. Two, they're stronger, um, so they're going to pull you through the water more than just if you were to use your arm muscles. Three, if you're not using your lats, you're putting a lot more strain on your shoulder joints. So you're way more likely to get a sh shoulder injury. It's something a little less, we worry about a little less with triathletes because usually the swim volume is not super high, but it's still, I've seen it still be an issue where people get shoulder pain from swimming because they're solely relying on the shoulder to pull through I'm the water. My, I'm raising my hand up here. <laughs> <laughs> I am a uh, rear delt swimmer. <laughs> <laughs> Complete wrong so muscle like, use, the by the way, everybody. <laughs> 
Yeah, so it's really important to use the lats, one, for general speed in the water, and two, for fatigue resistance, and three, just for injury reduction. So, um, What would be a cue point you would give somebody to help them focus on that? Um, So I always like to think, like, if you were to go to the gym and you were going to want to, like, pull away or like do like a straight arm I'm trying to think of how to explain this like where can you just on land like if you were to like want to pull something and pull the most amount of weight as possible like would you do it just like with a straight arm or would you try and get your back into it um from that motion I always like to put like a band wrap a band around a pole or something um and really do like imitate swimming on land or if you like have a bossa board great you can use that but a stretch band tied around a door post or something will work but just working on getting the high elbow catch on land finishing past the hip and then just bringing it back up and doing again and really just working on like feeling that back engage as you pull the band Um, then when we get into the pool, if you have a paddle, like pulling the paddle towards your body, um, and not up, I think a way to do this if is to take off all the straps on your paddle and just swim without this, just do the pull part, getting the paddle back up is going to be hard without it being strapped in, but taking that paddles all the straps off and seeing if you can still pull the paddle all the way through past your hip without it flying out from under you yeah um because if you're just pushing down on it when you try and get it to come around it's gonna it's gonna probably fly fly out um but also if you think about pulling it towards you it should help engage that lat um some of my favorite swim drills for this i love underwater recovery drill this so um the recovery portion of the stroke refers to when your arms out of the water so when we say underwater recovery drill you're kind of just recovering in the water meaning you're just sliding your hand up towards the top um and what happens is you pull with one arm and then you move it back up before starting with the other arm so you're just really only focused on the catch of one arm Um, yeah it's one of my favorites Uh, Another one is fist drill. So just swimming with your hands in a fist. Uh, Why this drill can be good for this is because if you're not getting an early vertical forearm, you're probably not going to move very fast at all um, because there's like nothing to pull you forward at that point. Mm, And then honestly, like six kick switch can be good. Like anything that just allows you to focus on one arm at a time can be really good and really isolating that the whole portion of the catch um yeah yeah uh, i spent a bit longer on that one because i do think that's one that's can be hardest to feel and hardest to change um but once you get it it will be a difference and again like if you feel like you see yourself swimming and you're like i don't know what i'm doing wrong but i do not feel like i look like them this is most likely the issue. Yeah. Um, 
the second thing I posted was just bot- bad body position. Um, so a lot of triathletes drop their hips, um, which drops their feet. So they're basically their energy is going towards pulling their body through the rock water um, and just like getting the body to stay up rather than moving through the water. Um, and that also doesn't and- allow you to use your core, which you use your core a lot when you swim, if you do it right. Yeah. Yeah. So to get good body position, a lot of it has to do with your core engagement um, and like a slight chest press. Um. For this, I like to say, like, go back to the basics. So when you're learning to swim, the first thing coaches will teach is how to flow. And yes, it's a survival skill, but also like being able to do a front flow is kind of fundamental to swimming your best. Um, Like, yes, if you have like extremely muscular legs, like I'm talking like bodybuilder legs, like you might not be able to do it even when I was younger and like. I struggled a bit to float, but um, just work on your floating. And then once you can float, like work on floating to a kick to a swim. Um, that is whenever I'm feeling off in the water, it is my go-to drill is to do some like ball of the lines to kick to swim or dead man's float to swim um, because like my it gets your body position perfect if you can do it and it feels so good you're like oh my god i'm flying yeah that dead man that dead man's float or what is it is that the one where that's the one where like with the in a ball that's ball the line yeah bobble line. so that one i love that you like start in a ball and then you have to get yourself into a streamlined position from the ball and then go the amount of core engagement you have to have in order to get your feet up and out is very mind-boggling. Like, yeah. I never realized it until I tried it. And it really does make a huge, huge, huge difference. And this is coming from somebody who, right, you guys, I am a, I'm an adult onset swimmer. I am not a, like, it is not my strong suit. And that drill is so powerful. Um, I started doing it, Aaron taught me it, and so good. It's so good. Um, very hard, but very good. It is hard. And, like, Probably when you first start doing it, you're you might need to kick a little bit to get your feet out. Mm-hmm. You're still going to get benefit from it, but the more you do it, you really want to minimize the amount you need to move your feet to get them up, and really just fully use that core to do it. Yeah. Um. But that is one of my favorite drills. The next thing I see, and I can't really remember what order I put these in, but if if you cross under your body, um, it's a lot of triathletes. They don't, a lot of times it has to do with your hand entry and how you're entering. So if you're just like swinging around and pulling, um, your hand's going to cross your center body line. Um, This isn't good because that means the, if you think of like physics, you are going in the direction you're like applying the resistance against. So if you're pulling sideways towards the other side of your body, you're going to be moving sideways and like the energy you're creating, you're going to be that's going sideways on course instead of going forward. Um, so and as somebody you, who has a problem with that, you can't engage your lats when you cross over. No, you well. can't. Yeah. You cannot. A lot of these things can tie together and fix each other if you fix one <laughs> of them. Um, in reverse of that, the other thing I see is people swimming too wide. Um, so their hands like 
way outside their shoulder line. So ideally we want to keep that hand under the shoulder um, because that's where we're going to be pulling the most amount of water. I mean, if you think about the weights again, if I were to go tell you do like a pull down, if your hands are like way out to the side, Mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to pull your weight at all. You will have no back engagement. That's all shoulder joint. You want to get your hand in front of your shoulder. Um, So those were the last two things I saw. And same drills apply. Underwater recovery drill is great. Six kick switch is great. Um, Another one I really like, and it's hard, and I'm actually going to be posting a video of it soon, is tap tap switch drill. Oh, that's Um, hard. (laughs) A good one, Um, but it's really hard. So you tap the water in front of you, tap the water behind you. And then switch your arms. Um, that kind of combines everything. It's good for body position. You can work on your pole, um, where your hands kind of staying out in front of you. Um, but it is hard. And if you're not s- super strong in the water, you might need fins to do it well, at least the first few times you do it. Which, like, when you're drilling, if you need fins or a snorkel or anything... Use it. To help you really focus on what you're working on, absolutely use them. Drilling is the perfect time to use the tools. So don't be afraid I to love do using, that. I love using fins for drills for me, especially because, right, again, I'm not as strong in the water. And so it helps to create some propulsion. It helps with my body positioning um, and just makes it a lot easier kind of across the board. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So. Awesome. Those were good. Hopefully everybody enjoyed those because I did. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Um, We have a couple questions here that we'll go on to, you know, as many as we can ish. Um, But this one is, this is a good one because um, we both kind of experience it quite often, especially seems like me lately. Um, But it's from Jess. I think on Instagram. And she said, how do you get over missing? No, sorry. Rewind. How do you get over the guilt of missing a workout while building for an Ironman? I thought that was a good one because a lot of us, you know, we all, we all experience it. Um, and I think this is a big one, especially for um, age groupers who may be a little bit more time crunched. And then they fear that, okay, if I miss that session, then I'm, you know, going to get behind because I can't make it up or along those lines. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I had to miss, I missed a whole day yesterday. Um, yeah. Just the way that it was. Um, but I also think that kind of comes with a little bit of maturity within it, too. Oh, for uh, sure. Just understanding, like... I could not do a five-hour ride yesterday. It wasn't going to happen. Um, and that's okay. You have to allow your body to heal. You, you know, you, it's, and, and because if you don't, then you're not going to actually then be able to do, right? It's going to start to snowball. And then next thing you know, you're missing weeks. And that's when you then have a problem is when you're starting to miss weeks and weeks. It's not missing one session or two sessions. It's starting, it's when you don't allow yourself to recover and to heal and to get better and to calm the nervous system down or any of those pieces that need to happen, 
Um, I mean, even things like learning to like what, like we did for Aaron on Sunday, right? Her body was saying, I actually had message Aaron like, Hey, maybe we want to just take that whole day off because we want to prep you for this next week that's coming. And this next week is powerful and, and, and big. And we want, we really want you to nail that, that week based, especially based off of timing, wanting to, you know, a lot of the, a lot of other components in there. And it's like, well, l- let me just adjust it to kind of, again, calm the nervous system down a little bit and say, hey, all we're going to do is just do easy spinning and I'm going to get the time in. But you know, it, so it really comes down to knowing and, and trusting, like me missing that five-hour ride yesterday. Yeah, it's a bummer. I think I have the ability to make it up later with some rearranging, but I may not. I don't know yet based off of life. And it's just the way that it is. Like me trying to do a five hour ride yesterday would have been extremely detrimental to my energy systems, my health, like further down the road. And so it really comes down to just one, get over it. It's it's a session, like it's a day or two. Um, I mean, two weeks ago, I, I missed almost an entire week of training. and. I'm literally not beating myself up about it. I just moved on and focused on, hey, moving forward down the line. And you kind of touched on it too a little bit, like when you mentioned at the very beginning, Aaron, you're like, well, you've, you know, right, you, Kayla, you've really increased your volume over the, you know, over the course of the season, like, right, everything that we're doing compounds. So it's not just what you're doing in one day, it's what you're doing throughout the whole year, the whole week, the whole build. That is what matters. And so you really have to look at that piece of it as well. and kind of ground yourself in, hey, I've been putting the work in. Missing this day is not the end of the world. Yeah. I actually read a really good quote yesterday, and I was trying to find it while you were talking, but I couldn't find it. But it was basically along the lines of, like, consistency is not doing every single workout because it's just not realistic, and that's not how life is going to go. Consistency is when you miss a workout, getting back to it when you're able. Um, and I think there's a lot of truth in that. It doesn't necessarily mean like missing a session and then smashing it into the rest. Like that is what I see a lot with athletes is I will go into their plan and they will have missed Monday and they'll have just moved it randomly to some other day. And all of a sudden, instead of biking, you know, two, two days in a row and then taking a day off of biking and, you know, whatever, however you have the plan, all of a sudden they're biking four days in a row with running, with swimming, with work. Like you're just creating this overabundance of stress into your system. Yeah. So. And I think for 99.9% of us, we have to keep in mind that triathlon is not the only thing in our lives. Like we, most of us have jobs. Most of us have family or friends or relationships. Most of us have hobbies outside of triathlon. And sometimes it is okay to prioritize those things over triathlon and miss a workout here and there. So like, I'm not even talking about if you miss a workout when you're sick like that, you just have to take as it is. No, it's best for you to be taking it off. But guess what? Like sometimes it's best for you to take a workout off to go spend time with your family. Like that is okay. And I think just allowing yourself the grace to put things above triathlon sometimes. And I don't think that means that you 
lack the discipline or the dedication to be successful in the sport. It just means that you know yourself and you know that's going to like be the best thing for you and your love for the sport and the end. Because if you're never putting things above triathlon, like my guess is you're probably going to burn out of the sport Mm -hmm. at some point way faster than you would otherwise. And I think that's also where a coach really comes into helpfulness and play, whatever. Um, <laughs> that was very terribly worded. Um, because you can you can ask those questions too. Like for me, I, I want athletes texting me, asking me that stuff. Like, hey, something has come up and I really want to I, I really want to go to this dinner with my family. And I, it may, it's going to make it really hard for me to get that two hour ride, two hour run in you know, these are random disciplines, things I'm saying, but, and I know for me, one hundred percent of the time I'm going to say, okay, awesome. Go do that. Let me see what I can do from a scheduling standpoint. Can we move it to Saturday instead? Would you prefer to do it Saturday? Does that work better for your schedule? Or, Hey, you know what? Let's just totally skip it. It's okay. We'll do it next week. Right. Yeah. So that's why a coach can be helpful because it can help you to take that stress of trying to make that decision on your own because it can be hard, right? We are our own worst. We are our own worst critics most of the time. And sometimes it can be hard to make that decision on your own. So use your coach to help you make that decision sometimes. Yeah. I I texted Kayla this week or this past week because I knew we were celebrating Kyle's birthday on Saturday night and I was supposed to do a two-hour run on Sunday and that is not something I want to do after drinking because I prefer not to poop myself in the middle of my run so I texted her and was like hey I got this going on can I do my long run Friday can we adjust the week and we did and then I ended up getting a flat or my derailleur was dead Saturday so then I texted her again I think I texted Kayla every single day last (laughs) week so we do (laughs) it's kept happening in my life (laughs) <laughs> that's one of those weeks. But that, right, that helps take some of that, like, remove a little bit of that for you. Um, yeah. But at the end of the day, it it is, right, it, and this is something that I've been really kind of focusing on for myself, too, and, like, is this is fun, you guys. And even if you are a professional, right, I mean, I'm I'm trying to make this my career, like, to make money off of it. But, and even that sense, I have to be like, okay, this is fun. I just get, I love this sport. So have some fun with it. And, and I know that you'll even hear other professionals who will say the same thing. Like, yes, this is my job. I have to be very serious about it. I have to be very dedicated. I have to be very focused. But at the same time, if I'm not out there just removing pressure from myself and having some fun, then I'm going to lose the joy of the sport. And then I'm going to stop making money. So even at the top end, the highest level of people, will say the exact same things that age groupers should be embodying, is that this is fun. What you do in the pool as a split, what you do from a time standpoint, what you do from an effort standpoint, like it, it, at the end of the day, yes, it matters because your goals matter, but they are not the end-all be-all. Have fun with it. And if you do, more often than not, it will it, it'll be better. I, I saw this for my, I had a two and a half hour run on Monday and I got, I was at like half hour in and I was like, oh, I'm not hitting paces. This is annoying. Why do I keep not hitting paces? And I just, I was like, Kayla, you just have some fun with this. Enjoy it. 
enjoy well, that's running. That's why I did my long run on the trail on Friday mm-hmm. is because yes. I knew my legs were tired. I didn't want to stress myself out about not hitting paces. And I just wanted to have fun with it and knew I needed the volume in the run. And that's all that really mattered. So I was like, exactly. okay, I'm doing it on trail because that's what's going to be fun for me on that day. Yeah. And once I really started like letting go, and I just said, she's just, Kayla, just have some fun with running. It's nice out. It's a beautiful day. I started hitting paces again because I relaxed. Yeah. yeah. So I really want, you know, it's one of the number one things I see. I mean, I've been coaching for almost 10 years now, and it is the number one pitfall that I see with athletes is they get so concerned about what their paces are, what their average time is, that they're what if they didn't improve more than a second, you know, or this run was slower this week, and, and or you know, whatever, they put so much pressure on themselves to hit and be so into what my FTP is or whatever that they lose the fun of it. And this sport is fun. It is hard. It's not always fun, but it is fun. Yeah. Have fun with it. And like, I get it like during, and this is going off topic from the original question, but it relates to the other things we said. Like, I think one of the, common thoughts through triathletes on their like long runs and long rides that are designed to be zone two is like well if I'm not going at least race pace how the hell am I supposed to do it in the race and like if this feels Mm -hmm. like even a little hard now at zone two like how the hell am I supposed to do it in the race it's like yeah trust yourself like slow and it's something I struggle with I was gonna say you you when we first started working there that was your biggest thing if you weren't doing rides over 20 miles an hour you thought they were failures yeah. And it's still like, ugh, like I still think it every oh, run and hard. every yeah. ride I do. <laughs> it's just like knowing better and like yeah. just doing it at the easier pace. And like, I think that's where I do look at my, I don't train based off heart rate necessarily, but I do look at my heart rate and like, I do know like on my runs, it's, it's above, I mean, I had still young I have a fairly higher heart rate but like if my heart rate's above like 162 on my longer runs that's getting more into like my tempo threshold heart rate like Mm -hmm. the effort's not meant to be there today and that's okay like because running at race pace even even at Ironman race pace is gonna put additional stress on your body that's not designed to be there correct yeah yeah and so that's where you know I had an athlete the other day. We, it was a completely aerobic swim. It was not, it was long efforts, totally aerobic with some strength work. And her comment was, well, that wasn't very fast. And I responded, it wasn't meant to be. It was literally 3.5K of aerobic work. And if it, that meant that it was a little bit slow, it's a little bit slow. Because it wasn't, you know. It wasn't meant to be fast. You would have actually gone, if you tried to be fast in that set, you would have made a three and a half K of threshold work. And that's not what we wanted from that set. Because the next, very next day, I had her doing VO2 work on the bike. Like, so it wouldn't have made sense. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, it's just, you really have to learn. Yeah, kind of those pieces. And yeah, we've definitely gone off of exactly what the question was. But I think what we're talking about makes is very valid. And it's definitely something that a lot of us need to focus on across the board, right? Uh, yeah. 
beginners, elite age groupers, average age groupers, professionals, like, again, at the end of the day, if you're not focusing on those pieces and listening to your body and learning to let go and enjoy, then you're not going to do well. Um, yeah, not every workout you do is a correlation to how you're going to race. Correct. Let it go. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's why you do intervals and specific sets. To yeah. And even practice. if you don't nail your intervals one day, yes. doesn't mean you're not going to nail it in a race. Exactly. Just do the best you can with where you're at on any given day. I mean, I, I'm a really, I'm a, ter- I am somebody who in racing, I find, I find extra, right. You have to know that in a race, you're going to find that extra gear. You've got adrenaline, you've got people around you, you've got the atmosphere. There's all these aspects that go into a race. Like if you look at some of my training numbers, you'd be like, how can Kayla say that she could wants to run a, a three flat or three or five in an Ironman based off of my training numbers? And it's because one, I believe in myself that I can do it. And two, I know that in a race, I have the ability to find X percent across the board because you get competitive, you get wrapped up in it. And so don't always just, yes, you want to use your training numbers to help guide you, but it's not the end all be all. No. Um, a lot of these actually were all very related to almost exactly what we just talked about. Um, <laughs> and we rambled so, and went pretty sidetracked, so they're related. We, did. we kind of just talked about it. We kind of answered almost all these because, right, the next question is, how do you know whether you're training too easy or in zone two? Okay. We can talk about so that a little. We can talk about that. I mean. Um, yeah, you kind of had to follow that concept, right, for on Sunday. Yeah. Like, I think zone two, you still have to focus a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not going to be, like, full-on recovery. You're, like, going to go out there and you're going to have to push just a little bit. Like, it's going mm-hmm. to be, like, a little uncomfortable feeling. Not enough where you're, like, dying. It's just, yeah. like... It's a pace a little bit. Like you, you literally... can't fully mentally yeah. shut down. I guess yeah. is well, the difference. Like when I'm in zone one, my mind is off. Like I am literally just like I could basically fall asleep in zone one. Like mm-hmm. if I'm on the bike, like I could. <laughs> um, but like zone two, yeah. you just need that little mental focus to stay there and not go back to zone one. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. That mental focus piece because. A, zo- a pure recovery, like too easy zone one, like you're just kind of, you, you, it's, it is, it's so easy that you could, comp- you could shut off. Whereas zone two is definitely a pace where you literally, you could go all day long. I mean, if you needed to ride for 12 hours, you could ride for 12 hours at that pace, but it's, you, you will, t- you will know that you rid- rode your bike for 12 hours kind of concept. Um, yeah. And it's hard. It's definitely one where, you know, heart rate is a good way to keep for zone two type of stuff, but you also have to know that there is flex in heart rate um, mm-hmm. based off of environment, based off of maybe how, how, how you're feeling based on, I mean, honestly, like how much caffeine you've had can affect that. Um, and 
you know, if you're dehydrated, like there's, there's some flex within your heart rate. Um, but it is one of those where heart rate is a really good way to stay in zone two, because if it does get up higher, then you just back off to keep yourself in the zone two. Kind of like you said, yeah. like you notice when you're running, if your heart rate starts to spike into like the 160 range, then you're going too hard. You're getting into more tempo-y, Ironman-y type pace, and that's putting on an additional stress to your body. Um, so you can use your watts and, you know, kind of determine from that angle. Um, but I always like to say zone two is like, you're going to go out and you're going to go enjoy a ride or a run. If you go out there and you just enjoy and you be present and just go out there for a joy ride, that's going to be your zone two <coughs> type of work, usually. Yeah, if you're by yourself. When I'm with friends, it tends to be <laughs> zone Yeah, one. that's <laughs> Next thing you know, you're either, in, you're either in zone one and you're chatting or you're in zone four. Well, not four. with you. If, I, if I'm with you, I'm like zone five, at <laughs> least on the uphills. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I rode with uh, Brianna Trotsky on Tuesday or Wednesday last week or Friday. I don't know. Um, she completely ripped my legs off. I was like, oh, my God, you're so fast. Yeah. <laughs> it was so good for me, but it, uh, mine was supposed to be an endurance ride, and it definitely became an Ironman-paced ride. <laughs> it was not <laughs> endurance. <laughs> uh yeah well um, riding with when i rode with both of you together like just you two are both like smaller than me probably by, like 30 or 40 pounds so like riding styles are completely different like yeah. during like downhills i was riding my brakes sitting up and like then uphills i was going like zone six trying to just yeah not completely drop off and at like one point i was like okay i'll just see you in an hour i'm good right <laughs> this has been I'll enough see you at the end of it <laughs> riding downhill is not something that i have figured out i can't seem to maintain my power like my momentum riding downhill um, mm. i get dropped often when i ride downhill um awesome uh we probably have time for one more here uh, this is from Sophia. She asks, best workouts to start with intensity after a long time with only zone two. We kind of talked about this actually in our last, I think it was our last episode. Um, we actually kind of talked about this, of like how to start adding in intensity. Um, and you just start small. Yeah. Like I run really walks. Think that every, yes. Run walks. Like, Okay, I think Kat the- Matthews did run walks all the way up to her like win at Ironman Texas. Like I, I do run walks all the time. Still, yeah. like I did I, a run walk yesterday. What? Yeah, one of the key sessions that I have athletes do for long runs is ten minutes on, one minute off, which for, is my favorite. Yeah, I I do that session. I love it. Um. So that's one way is, you know, adding in run walks um, so that you can be really focused, like doing two minutes, like basically what Aaron did, what I had Aaron do yesterday, two minutes, a harder RPE, two minutes off. Um, but I really think, again, I said, this is what I said. The last one is that we, everybody really underestimates the power of like strides and 
doing Mm -hmm. like, so stride work is really great way to start adding intensity into a run with low stress. Um, since similar concept cadence work on the bike or doing 2040s. Um, honestly, 2040s are hard. 2040s are hard. I love 2040s. Um, I thought I could get a lot of bang for my buck out of them. Um, doing fast 25s, do hard 25 in the pool, easy 25 down. Speed work and intensity doesn't have to be, you know, five minutes all out or VO2 work or 20 minutes at race pace, like, you know, or doing 800s and running. Like, speed work doesn't have to be crazy. It can be very simple. And the best way to do it when you're getting out of kind of building is doing short stints of form focused increases. Mm hmm. Kind of my thoughts on that, and then you build from there, right? You can start adding in longer intervals of three minutes, or um, you know, doing four hundreds or something like and that. And this is where a coach is great because then you don't have to think about it, and the coach can slowly. The coach build will do it for there. you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, um, awesome. Well, yeah, those are most of our questions. Um, did you have any? I can't remember if you had any. Oh, yes. Uh, cassettes. Oh, God. I'm the wrong person <laughs> to ask on that one. I know. I meant to research more about it before my ask episode. Your but sh- like, ask, your, ask your bike shop. One by 12, two by 11, different size cassettes, all that. Um, I mean, I do know, like, depending on the course, it's different. Like, if mm-hmm. I were to go race St. George this year, I would highly consider swapping out my cassette as I ride a 1x12 right now. Um, yeah, you probably want a 2 by. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I do love my 1x12 for most courses. And for especially for the type of riding that you excel at, a 1 by works great. Um, yeah. I honestly, for... of the athletes that are racing in the age group field, your standard two by whatever um, is your best bet. It's going to give you a full range of what you need. Um, And then when you kind of move up and want to do something, you can move into kind of the one by. I ride a two by. I still have a two by on my bike. Um, But I don't remember what my gear ratio is. I have no idea. Um, yeah, I have no idea what my gear ratio is. Um, I know my granny gear is not super granny. Like, there's some hills. <laughs> like, oh, I wish I had one more. But yeah, that's because you have a one by. Um, yeah, <laughs> if you had the two by, that'd be a different story. Um, but I will say, with the one by, it is nice that I don't have to think about like when to switch from big ring to small ring. I just push my little button, and it's so fluid, and I can push it like multiple times in a row where when I I mean that's more of an ETAP thing but when I had the shifters I felt like I had to constantly wait for it to yeah switch rings until I could like shift again that's a mechanical versus a manual yeah when you have manual it's not as smooth um and that is a one by thing also it's a little less smooth when you have the two by um you know you can also the other things you can do is you can get a bigger front ring um 
So like for me, I have basically a dinner. Well, on my previous bike, I had like a dinner plate almost on my um, front chain ring. Um, I don't know what I have now, but it's a pretty big set. Um, And that allows you, if you're somebody, if you're finding like even on the flats or on downhills, like slight downhills, you're spinning out. You're running out of gears to kind of keep kind of feeling like you're putting pressure on. You may want to increase the uh, chain uh, or sorry, not the chain, the um, cassette in the front. And that would also be something I'd consider if I was doing St. George, I guess, yes. because there were multiple areas of that course. I was just not pedaling. Yeah. That's the one thing about St. George. So that was back on my Cervelo, so that was a two-by, but I would get a mm-hmm. bigger front. Yep. And that's definitely something that, um, you know, for races like St. George, having a bigger front um, chain ring can be really, really helpful because it does have a lot of that rolling fast stuff. And you can lose resistance. You just run out of room. You just have, don't have enough space to spin the wheels, basically. Um, but, yeah, we're probably not your best. <laughs> I know I'm not. Um, yeah, I'm very, very basic with that kind of stuff. Um, but you can ask your bike shop, too, and they will help you. I do know I love my one-by for every race I've done so far. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, for the races that, again, we're talking, we're using Aaron as an example, you know, with Texas and um, potentially Even Kona, I was very uh, happy. Kona. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very, very comfortable on a one-by. It is when you get into stuff like uh, Penticton or Lake Placid, um, even Chattanooga, potentially, those, you know, which are a lot more rolly, maybe some steeper hills. That's when you maybe want to look at, say, okay, how do I keep a two by do I use a two by and maybe just have bigger gearing uh, selection or you know what does that look like so um but yeah hopefully that answered although I gave you some insight and or didn't com- maybe it confused you more I don't know <laughs> wouldn't surprise <Yeah>. me <laughs> so awesome all right everybody well I have to go ride my bike here or attempt to ride my bike um not quite sure how it's gonna go honestly after I haven't, I did better with eating yesterday afternoon than I did this morning. I haven't really eaten this morning. I'm having a hard time. Um, so we're going to go attempt it. But okay. here's the deal. I'm going to listen to my body and I'm probably not going to hit any watts. And that is okay. It is okay. Because, you know, and I'm going to go work because I need to make money. Yes, <laughs> we all. <laughs> awesome, everybody. Well, we'll be back next week, and you can send us your questions. Uh, we'll put something up on Instagram to post up your questions, um, or you can always head over to our website at whereifyoutakeyou.com, and there is a spot um, under the podcast area where you can um, uh, post your questions or just check out everything that we have to offer. We offer a large range of stuff from uh, triathlon coaching, swim analysis with Aaron, uh, mindset coaching. Um, both of us do have some spots open on our roster um, for coaching. If you are interested, you just send us a little note and we'll do a free consult with you and chat with you all about it. So we'll talk to you guys next week. Everybody have a wonderful, I guess, weekend. Today's leap day. Yeah. Oh, it's Thursday. I was thinking today's Wednesday. Oh, we're almost to the weekend. Yeah, we are. So exciting. It's it's a mega weekend. 
mega weekend for Erin, and then she gets a recovery week. Um, Yay! <laughs> which, it's due. She's due. It's time for one. So. Due. All right, everybody. Chat with you later. Bye, y'all.